Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of Where They've Been. I'm so excited to share with you another conversation that I had with one of my closest friends, Levi Koistra. My friendship with Levi has been one of the most influential in my life. He's someone who not only does what he says he's going to do, but he actually does it intentionally, which is pretty hard to find. You'll see in the conversation, but this is actually our second podcast because someone, me, ended up accidentally deleting the first one. Anyways, it's a long story and I don't really want to get into it, but whatever, you get the point. We record it all again second time and there's so many different things I could say from those two conversations that I learned just personally that uh, that I could share with you, but rather than just me continuing to babble on as I have been, I figured let's get to the conversation. So here it is, my conversation with Levi Koistra. Maybe we can walk that road again. I'm going to start off this podcast real honest. This is the second interview that we're doing, and uh, it is not your fault. It is my fault because everything got erased off this computer, a hard drive crash. So my answers were so bad. Jeff was like, we, we cannot use any of the material. So we're going to, we're going to try again. He coached me up and here we are round two. That was the worst, especially, especially because each podcast episode, I took, you know, three and a half average hours to edit. So computer crash situation and, but we're back. And now, and this time better than ever, better than ever. And we I mean, who doesn't, everyone loves the sequel better than the original. (laughs) There's not like a terrible way to start this off. Oh, welcome to the sequel season guys. Oh Uh, man. It's like Spider-Man 2 versus Spider-Man 1. Just never as good. You know what I mean? Although I will say this, and Frozen 2, much better than Frozen 1. Oof. I don't know. I would disagree with that. What? That, be, that could be a great podcast. Is just debating, is there anything that's a sequel that is better than the original? That's true. That's true. I don't know. But, but what comes into play with that? Like, are, so trilogies obviously are out, like, because that's not a sequel. It's a part of the story. Yeah, that's, that would be tough. That Again, that's not the point of this podcast. If you're tuning in, this is not, I guess, I don't know. It's your podcast. <laughs> I just hijack your podcast. Yeah. Just hey, everybody. Thanks it. for joining me. I'm <laughs> Levi. And, uh, Yes, come on. No, but I did talk to someone recently after we did an interview and they said, hey, you should start a second podcast and you should do the like along the similar lines and just talk about storylines of books, movies and TV shows and like do an episode on like a book or a movie or a TV show. And I was like, every every episode of your podcast is just a spinoff into a new potential category until, exactly yeah until something catches on it's yes like- <laughs> we could go into romance we could go into science fiction i mean we could go everywhere it could be awesome this could be a full-time job for me where i make you know 12 cents an episode i'm telling you i see a future there it is this i see is a future. future yeah this is the future dude the it's future. so good to have you on i'm excited to have a conversation and I just want to say at the outset so we have a conversation usually about once a week right yep. so uh this one may be a little bit different than the other interviews where I just straight up 
ask them about where they've been and their story because I'm going to ask you questions that I know the answer to. And that's not the type of interviewer I am because I'm not professional. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it might be hard. We were talking about this. It actually might be harder because we're so familiar. So we're going to feel, you know, the danger of filling in a bunch of gaps Yep. or just being like, Hey, everyone kind of knows this and not realizing like they don't know. Exactly. And yeah. it's like we, even in our, in our conversations, like we cover, it could go any, like, that's the beauty of it is like, we hop on that phone and it could be like, we're like pouring our guts out or it could be like, we're just venting or it could just be a totally like dumb conversation exactly. or anything in between. So exactly. And that's, that's what I think is super fun. I mean, it could be, you know, sports, obviously you're a Patriots fan. So it's a depression season for you. You know, we, you know, we're not out yet. We're not technically eliminated yet. You know, if I love them in the big, in the good times, I'm with them in the, in the hard times. You're actually the, not the first Patriots fan that I've heard say, we're actually not out of it. You know, the bears, I hope they get eliminated just by their bad play. Like if they don't make it and they, if they have the opportunity to make it and the NFL says, no, you can't make it. I'd be okay with that. Yeah. I mean, I could give Patriots thoughts, but then we, that would eat up all of our time because we just don't want to go straight into it. Yeah, I mean, I just have a, I always have a lot of Patriots. I have a lot of Boston sports talk thoughts in general. So, right. Okay. That's because you're from Boston. So tell me, tell me about Boston thoughts. Oh, I feel like if you are from New England, which is the Northeast corner of the US, that'd be a great, I wish I could put a poll on here. Like if I say New England, can you tell me what states make up New England? Uh, it's no Maine, idea. Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Rhode Island. Hello. Uh, and if you Some are Google Maps, yeah, uh, they're rerouting. Um, <laughs> no, if you, I, I think if you're from New England, you you love New England and you love all things New England. It's like it's like anywhere. If you're from there, you just have a lot of pride in where yeah. you're from. And uh, yeah, I mean, I wasn't so. And that's what's tough is like, I have these weird connections to a lot of different places. Sure. But like, if I think about like growing up, if I think about my story, I think about Lowell, Massachusetts. Right. Uh, and that's where I grew up. So it's about 45 minutes north of Boston, uh, almost right before you get to New Hampshire. And uh, yeah, Lowell is just, it's a, it's a super unique city, AKA the Mill City. Um, really? I did not know that just like talking Patriots, I could give you a bunch of probably random facts about Lowell and the history of Lowell, but I don't know if that's what the viewers want, Jeff. I don't know either. I know that there's some <laughs> great things I do know about Lowell movies and stuff like that. So yep. like any Boston movie, I'll watch it. It doesn't have to be a good one or a bad one. I like I'll, and I'll rewatch them. I like, I miss a good Boston accent. If I see someone wearing a, a socks hat, I'll ask them, hey, where are you from? You know, uh, and so, yeah. And then usually it's like, you know, a few degrees of separation, depending. Did so. you have a Boston accent when you lived in New England, no, which makes up, no, up seven states, apparently? Five. Uh, no, no you know, like neither of my parents are from New England. Okay. And so, and, you know, I, honestly, like, it's not even a joke to do a true Boston accent. You have to be using the F word a lot, <laughs> like, you know, like townies, you know, the locals, 
they use it as a filler where, where in the For Midwest sure. you go, um, um, yes. um, yes. Like oh. you know, a blue collar guy from new England's just, if he's trying to think of something, he's going F N. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You, sure. go, you know, you, you go past the Dunkin' Donuts F and yeah. You know, the second one. Yeah. And, and like, <laughs> and so, so there's it, no authentic Boston accents that you can do due to the uh, explicit you yeah, know. you'll have to change the rating of your exactly. podcast <laughs> your mom's like why can't i listen to your podcast like, yeah oh, there's explicit language not in all the interviews just in one just in one interview that happens yeah. to be with a, a pastor but it's all yeah good. yeah so but you know like new england man like i love it it's 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 a different Every part of the U.S. is so different, mm-hmm. and uh, New England definitely has its own vibe, its own pace, its own culture, and uh, yeah, so I grew up there. I think every major city and even small city, you have that, right? You have the pride of this is where I'm from. Like, There's that certain pride that I have, even though I didn't grow up in Chicago, I grew up south, like close to an hour south, I still have that like Illinois, Chicago like pride. And I wonder how much that like plays into just so many different factors of who you're, you are as a person, you know what I mean? Like, do you think that Austin like pride, you know, I know you from knowing your story, you're, you know, you lived in a bunch of different States like Missouri and you lived in Illinois and all this stuff. But I think you said the majority of your childhood was in Lowell. So you think like that plays a, a part in who you are? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, so for me, yeah, fourth grade through high school lived in, you know, the same city. And so it's like, really like, that's where you have your roots. That's where you play little league. That's where you go to high school, you know, like all of those really formational years, like are rooted in this American subculture. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it forms who you are, how you think, how you respond to things, you know, at a macro level. And then on a micro level, obviously you're, you know, your family dynamic and, uh, mm-hmm. friendships. Yeah. I mean, and that's kind of, I think, you know, the beauty of, of this is like, you just never know someone's story. You just no. never know the depth of someone's story. Right. And, um, even, you know, I think with social media, like we think we do, you right. know, because we get these little glimpses. And so right. we we're quick, I think we're quicker than ever before to fill in gaps on people. Mm. And we're, we're quick to think we know, and that we, you know, like, Oh, I get it. When you just don't, you just don't know someone until you get close proximity with them and you kind of learn and it's, it's in the details, you know, it's like, it's like anything. It's like being good at anything. You don't really know it until you know the details. Right. You know? Yeah. And that's the same with people. You don't really know people until you get to know the, the details, the nuances, the rhythms, the heartbreak, the, the joy, um, you know, and that's, that's why, that's why, you know, like being a pastor is incredible because you, you, not for everybody, but for a fair amount of people, you get to kind of peek behind the curtain of sure. like what's made somebody who they are. And, and it's crazy. You just never, everyone has some similar components, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone has hard things. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's hard looks different. Everyone mm-hmm. has the stuff they've had to overcome. That's why I love this whole pod. That's why I'm like doing this thing. Cause I love hearing different people's story. Like, uh, and it's been interesting over the past, like few conversations I've had with people as you kind of just give time for the conversation to develop, you hear like all of a sudden someone's like, yeah, I guess I 
did have a traumatic childhood or like, yeah, I guess this did happen to me. And you just like, don't, you have to really like through social media, like you said, we really do fill in the gaps. Like what you know about someone is very, very fickle. I feel like, and Mm -hmm. it's not sure. And what we say we know is just, I don't know. I feel like it's not as simplistic as we want it to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of, you know, which I, you know, you know, I use the term a lot tensions, you know, and, and tension either like helps keep things in balance or it tears you apart. And it all depends on like what that tension is. Um, but I mean, that's it. We all have different, different things that pull on us and shape us. And yeah, I think one of the things that I've always appreciated about you is your internal drive to say, Hey, this is the things that I'm going to live by. And these are the things that I'm going to go for. I would love for you to share a little bit about like, Hey, this is like how I kind of, cause you have like a family mission and you know, you and Morgan have developed that. This is how we want to live our marriage. This is how we want to live our family life with our children and ministry life. And me and Abby have learned a ton from you guys in that pull the curtain back a little bit and show like, Hey, what goes behind that thought process? Yeah, I think so for us and actually next, uh, next week will be our, our nine year wedding anniversary. Crazy. Wow. Come on. That's amazing, yeah. man. Yeah. Big things. Um, Big but things. I, you know, really early on and in our marriage and just our time together. And I think that was one of the things that really drew me to my wife was just like, we were both independently very motivated and driven people. Mm. And sometimes though you get two driven people together and it's like, it doesn't really work. Sure. But for us, it was like, man, it's been awesome. It really has been incredible. Uh, but early on for us, it was this idea of we want to live proactively and not reactively, you know, like, mm. you know, and so I was, I'm working as a pastor in so many churches, like, it's like, Hey, what's your mission statement? You know, Hey, how do we accomplish this? And, you know, mission, vision, values, you have it in business, you have it in church, you have it everywhere, a- any and everything podcast, you have it in books. Why are we yeah. writing this book? You know, trying to answer that. Why? And so for us, it was like, what do we want to be about and how do we actually live lives intentionally towards that? And so it took, you know, it kind of sent us on this journey of, of saying, let's answer that. Let's, mm-hmm. let's try to create an intentional life. Um, and honestly, man, it was, I don't know what initially provoked that. Hmm. But I'm really grateful it happened. Yeah. Um, and I think it's set a great kind of compass direction for our lives. And so for us, ours is kind of to love above and beyond and to live a secretly great life. And, um, you know, I think in my occupation, um, you know, there's this idea of, Hey, loving people well is thrown around a lot, but for us is like, man, if we can't do that with each other, if we can't do that in the mundane, if we can't do that in the high moments and in the hard moments and, and also the easy moments, then I'm not going to be able to do that consistently for other right. people. It's this idea of like, and, and like who wants to, you know, we, we, you, you don't read books about like, it was kind of an okay love story. You know, like you <laughs> like, those aren't the ones it's either like tragedy or like, you know, just this epic kind of love. And so for us, that was, it was like, we want to go above and beyond. Like how, how can we say, you know, set a high expectation for where it matters most and in, in our home. And, and so that's kind of, the first part of it. And the second piece is to live a secretly great life. And, um, again, social media or depending on your job, 
um, a fair amount of people get kind of see or, or perceive what your life looks like. And, and I've always thought, man, I want people to enjoy more who I am off of a stage than who I am on. Yeah. I want, you know, if people got closer to me and as people get closer to me, that they would be maybe more not impressed, but more like, man, okay, this guy lives admirably. And this guy sure. lives well. I think the first person I ever heard say that was Mark Batterson. He said, I want the people who know me the most to respect me the most. Yeah, I a hundred percent. You know, like I think fighting for authenticity and mm -hmm. knowing your true self and that when you um because man, if I'll do it in secret, then I'll it, it'll be easy to do it in public. Right. And um, but I think if you only do it in public and you don't do it in secret, then man, it, it's gonna destroy you. It like over time it's gonna eat away at you because right. you I think everybody is is striving to have alignment of their heart and soul and values and to actually live those out. And when those are in, in, imbalanced or, you know, an unhealthy tension, I think it just tears you up internally. Yeah. So how do you live an authentic life in, in airbrush culture, you know, for lack of a better term, like, like, how do you live like this authentic, this is who we are. This is who I am in the culture of like, it's edited. Yeah, it's like life at any given moment is so overly simple and so complex at the same time, right? And so, like, yeah, I, I think a lot of it is, and sometimes you have to be so intentional. You have to kind of create a plan and, you know, I think create a rhythm. And mm -hmm. everyone, I think, gets that as a concept, but the actual work of doing that, of right. like planning it, mapping it out, and, and the discipline to follow through on it and do it is hard, but you know, like I think of like, for me, I was a, a athlete growing up. Right. And it's like, you know, I, as a, I remember when I first, in my freshman year, I made the basketball team and, but I had the ugliest looking jump shot ever. Like it was, <laughs> it was so bad. And I'm so grateful for my coach because he saw like ability and potential in me. And so every day during practice, he would have me go and essentially like deconstructed my shot. Really? And yeah. And, and so everybody else would be running these other drills. And during this time, and I would just be like a foot away from, and I was a starter. I was a captain. Like I was like, not, you know, I, again, I wasn't like, Oh, this guy's going to the NBA, but I wasn't bad, you know? Right. Right. Uh, and, and, but he, he was like, man, if you stay where you're at, you're just going to hit a low ceiling. Hmm. Uh, but if you'll take the time to relearn what you thought was working, but actually wasn't. And I think that's the, the areas, the areas of our life where we're like, uh, I've kind of, I've made something work, but you know, and that's where the power of community, but having other people to say, man, if you, but if you learned to, or relearned or, or learned a different way, sure. You, you have such greater potential. Yeah. And that's what living a secretly great life is. It, it's you, you dive into the details and when no one else, when other people are working on other stuff, you're, you're doing the slow methodical rebuilding Sure. values yeah and, and things because you know values come alive through our habits and and habits are formed you know just by time and energy and effort yeah and so i think falling in love with just the repetitive nature of doing sure. the things that are going to lead us to what what we care about most i mean that's cool that that uh that coach just 
like took the time to deconstruct yeah. your shot. That's really, I still have an ugly jumper. So who knows? You know, like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can attest to that we played two on two, me and Nate Roder, and I scored zero points and he scored all of them. But you know, <laughs> I, me and you threw a few elbows back and forth. You know what I mean? That, Hey, oh. that was a good time. Camp, camp basketball wars. <laughs> oh, that's, that's all I'm saying. Like I got no talent whatsoever. But, uh, you know, I'm willing to take an elbow to the back of the head. But the fact that he took the time, I remember specifically to a coach in high school who took the time to really um, do what I needed most, which was get on me about stuff when I was being lazy. You know, like Mm -hmm. he was a varsity coach. And then this is when I was a sophomore and uh, and he would walk over. And if I was dogging it on a play or something, just flat out call me out. But then, you know, during a game or in a practice, when I would have a good hit or a good tackle or a good block, he was the first one there. And I kind of developed this idea from what he taught me in high school of I'm going to be the first one to uh, critique you, but I'm also going to make sure that I'm going to be the first one to encourage you. Like there has to be this balance when we're encouraging and helping, you know, lead people. And I think feel like he was true to who he was. And it wasn't always great. Like I didn't love getting chewed out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think again, it's interesting or it'll be interesting to see kind of this idea of like the, the proximity of love and, mm-hmm. and what that looks like. And cause the further away somebody is the, you know, they can give a compliment, they can say something nice or even have good intentions but there's limitations of what of really like, Hey, I love that person. Yeah. But then you let people get close and you're vulnerable. You're, you let people get close and, and you get to experience love in in a whole new way. Right. When you get married, when you have kids, when you have deep friendships, when you yeah. work with people, right. And there's something special about it, but it's also hard because that's also, you know, that's where you get hurt the most. Yeah. And, but it's this back and forth. If I don't ever let people get too close, then no one's going to ever love me enough to challenge me. Mm-hmm. Um, and no one's going to ever you know, like, Hey, that's tough to do through social media. You call somebody out through social media and it's, you know, cyberbullying, it's hate and, and, or whatever. And, and that could be true because sure. there's no relationship there. Exactly. Um, yeah. But you know, just that idea of like, Hey, do we allow people and how do we allow people to get close enough to love us to actually help us grow? Yeah. to help us rework some things, to help us reshape the things in our life, because you can't do it on your own. No, you know, absolutely um, not. that's uh, another one of my coaches would always say, you know, it's like, think about it. You go out for a jog on your own and you, you're going to, in your mind, it's like, I'm doing, I'm going the fastest I can. Yeah. But then like, if somebody runs up beside you, it's amazing. Cause we all are like, Oh, I'm jogging a little bit faster now. Exactly. Or, or you, you go out with somebody who a friend of yours and you work out together and you push yourself harder. And, um, you know, that's, you know, so this coach would always say, that's my job. You're going to do 70% on your own. And my job is to help you tap into those last, you know, 10, 20, 30% of who you could be. Yeah. Um, but if you never get people close enough, then you're never going to even have that potential because it's just hard. You just hit limitations on your own. Yeah. I, I think that really comes down to, yeah, like you said, community. Who are you surrounding yourself with? And I think like you and Morgan and your family like are two of the people that I know that actually say, hey, we love community. We want to live in community and actually mean it. 
um, a lot of people say, I want to live in community, but we really, really don't. So what does living in community look like for you? Like, you know, break it down. It's not like, Hey, we're going to go to a commune and we're going to like live in little huts, like job of the hut. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like that, like hippie lifestyle it's different, but, but what does that break down to? Yeah. I mean, that's even something I'm relearning like with COVID. Yeah. It's just been COVID. And then we, we switched jobs, which had a big impact in it. So I went from living in an apartment kind of in a more like city type field, downtown field to now living in the suburbs, which is, I've never really lived in the suburbs before. Mm. So that's different. Yeah. You know, like, um, but I, I think it's, it's getting enough contact with people where you, again, you can start to pick up the details Yeah, you, you where you can start to know when they're doing good and, and when they're doing bad, when you know people enough to know when they need you to just get a little closer because like they're, they're walking through something hard. Sure. Um, but you know, everybody's looking for that, like that in the ending spot, which is like, man, I have deep, meaningful relationships. Yeah. But people don't realize the pathway to that is usually through a lot of awkward beginnings. You know, <laughs> like it, it's through, it's For sure. through like, cause somebody, you know, has got to walk up and just say, Hey, let's hang out. Let's grab a cup of coffee. Hey, come over to our house. Right. You know? And then, so that's one piece is just like, Hey, being bold enough to say, here's some people that I, I see that potential with that mm-hmm. I could get along with or that I admire and I want to be around. That's super true because we were at the, uh, the park the other day and, uh, you know, Hudson, we, we were out there and he was sliding down the slide and all that good stuff. And then another family came up and they had a little girl who's about the same age as him. And, uh, it was hilarious. She flat out just pushed him over and I laughed. I was like, that's, that's playing on the playground. And they're like, you better apologize. I'm like, don't worry. He can handle it. You know, like, It'll yeah. toughen them up, make them a little tougher. But we're standing there and then, you know, they end, we had a little bit of chit chat and then they walk away and me and Abby are both like, we didn't even like ask them their names. Like, what, what are we doing? And it was just because both of us are like, okay, the COVID adds this layer that I think is okay to talk about where you're like, okay, we got to stay about six feet away. I don't want to like impede anyone's space. Mm-hmm. I don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable. But I also want to like have a relationship. We are in the same position as you. We're in a new city, you know, a new town. And we're sitting there. Kids are sliding down the slide. And I'm like talking to this guy. And we're having a conversation about how bad the bears are. And then they leave and we're biking away and they honk and wave. And we're like, we didn't even take a step. And it was just interesting. Exactly what you said. You have to have the boldness to be able to say, hey, how are you? You know, like more than just the chit chat. You just watch your potential best friend drive away, Jeff. No, (laughs) the first off my kids, it's funny. They call, they call it the sickness. So I feel like I'm in like a, and a Netflix mini series. Going to the park and my kids will be like, is the sickness still going on? (laughs) (laughs) I don't mean to laugh, but that's, yeah, it is. It is funny, but kids it's, it's funny. Like kids highlight it. Right. So same thing. I've got four kids. And they'll go to the park and all the parents stand on the outside mm-hmm. and they pretend like they're on their phone doing something important. And they're not, they're literally opening and closing their screen because they're not sure what to do. Yeah. Meanwhile, their kids are walking up and saying, Hey, you want to play with me? And then they're running around having a great time. Exactly. And the adults who like pretend like they have it all together, 
load them up and stay in isolation and drive away. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think that's, man, how do you, how do you stay young at heart? How do you stay? Yeah. The good in people. Mm -hmm. how, How do you stay where like, you know, I actually, I'm going to just believe the best in people. Maybe the the next step is not only believe the best in people, but how can I be somebody who helps draw the best out in people? Man, if we could, if we had a world full of people living that way, that would be incredible. Well, yeah. And I don't know if that comes down to personality and a lot of it comes down to that, but also past interactions, family history. And exactly like you said, I've seen the same thing. And I've also been the parent. So you just flat out convicted me, just opening. Calling, call, calling you out. No. Did, I, did I get a text? Yeah. No. But you know what? Like, here's the thing, though, is that like, I think we, we love to deconstruct. Mm-hmm. So we loved, we love, you know, so you take this story and it's like, yeah, well, why don't, why don't I? And it, oh, my, well, I'm wired this way. And I, it's my family history. And like, we break it down. And then we're like, oh, yeah, well, that's why. And then we justify something, but we didn't make any, any progress until you start to build back up. Well, that hurts. And, and, and no, I, I'm, I'm, we all do this. We all yes. do this because, like, we, we're okay with stopping at deconstruction. But by Dang, nature, by nature, the next progression is to build something. Yeah. But a lot of people, they deconstruct everything and then they just sit there in the mess you know you ever walk in a room and somebody's just like sitting sitting there in a mess and you're like what do you well you got to do something you sure. got to pick it you know pick it up or or you know like you can't just sit there in the brokenness and and i think yeah there's probably a million reasons why we don't hmm. but what are going to be the reasons that you do what yeah. are going to be the motivations for pursuing where you you want to head and and again that's like for us, why it was so important to have a, a vision statement for our family is to say, hey, in the middle of brokenness and in the middle of, of the messiness of life, we've got something that we know we're building towards. And so yeah. there's going to be seasons where that gets built up. There's going to be seasons where we're going to have to backtrack. There's going to be seasons where we're going to have to reevaluate. But ultimately, we know what we're trying to, to build. We've got mm-hmm. an idea. We've got a blueprint. And so I think the personality test, great, but use it to build, you know, the the family history, good or bad. We all got it to different varying degrees. Yeah. Hey, but use it to build. Yeah. Um, And so instead of using deconstruction as a way to justify our brokenness, let's use it as motivation and tools and resources to build something worthwhile. Yeah. Dang, that's a good word. See, that's a, an example of calling a friend out on their crap right there in the middle of the podcast. Come on. <laughs> no, but I, I'm just as guilty. I'm just as guilty. No, I'm with, I'm just messing with you. So when do we take the next step of deconstruct, then rebuild? Like, you know what I mean? And it's very interesting. Like now it's, you're right. It's a hundred percent cool to be like, let's deconstruct everything. Let's make a YouTube video about why this thing is terrible. 10 reasons why. But then it's never like, well, we all deal with that. So what's the what's the solution? Where do you think that kind of comes from? I mean, I, it comes from, you know, just our desire for for understanding. I think that we're like, hey, if I can just understand more, mm-hmm. then we think that that will motivate us to do more. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't, that's not, there's no promise of that. Just because you, you have more information. And, and, you know, we've talked about this in the past, but there's a difference in my mind between information and knowledge. Yeah. So you go back 20, 30 years ago, 
And it was like, man, if you read a bunch of books and you could say some big words, people were like, man, you're smart. You got a lot of information. If you know yeah. all the answers to Jeopardy, like me, you are, you're smart. You know, the guy who can remember it and me are the only difference is my phone exactly. and how long it takes me to type it in there. And mm -hmm. so getting access to information is not hard. And, and, and I would even make the case that that's never really been the issue. The issue is always, what are you going to do with that information? Hmm. And like, if you jump in, even into Christianity, this is the big pitfall of Christianity is that everybody like deconstructs the Bible. We read it, we talk about it, but even Jesus like that, Matthew seven, that's what he talks about. You know, he ends his longest, the sermon on the Mount, his longest teaching, uninterrupted teaching with these stories of like, but people who really get it, they hear it, and then they do something about mm. it. They, they, they break it down. They understand it. They listen to it. And then they do something. Right. And I think that's the, the big piece is, hey, we kind of hear it. We talk about it. And we're like, oh, I feel good. But, you know, the, the work isn't done after you talk about it. Mm. Uh, you know, like counseling. The work isn't really done oh, man. in the hour of counseling. The work is done once you leave counseling. Yeah. Uh, it's a wedding, man, until death do us part isn't accomplished, you know, at the wedding, it's accomplished no. the day after exactly. it's accomplished, you know, over the long haul. Yeah. So the thing though, is like, if you, you can just deconstruct and then you just sit and you sit and you sit and you're like, oh, nothing's getting And it's like, it just kind of breaks down like it doesn't get better you know mm. um and that's the danger we all have right is i could get older but not better i could you know i could be in my marriage and not fall more in love or mm. um it could just become routine just become redundant right and uh again it's hard you know it's it's tricky and so i think maybe a good question is like well how do i push up against that which I think, or I don't know, the, I mean, there's a bunch of terms you could use. I, I would say the one I use is this idea of anchors, mm -hmm. like, or anchors and, and compasses, you know, or like what one, what gives you direction? What helps you set the course for where I want to go? And two is like, what helps stabilize you on that journey? Yeah. You know? And uh, especially when life gets messy, especially in the storms of life, what helps me um, know that I'm going to be safe and that I'm not going to drift too far from where I really feel like I'm, I need to be and where I need to be going. Yeah. I've definitely been in seasons of deconstruction for sure before. And, you know, where I've just sat in a certain aspect of whether I'm deconstructing my faith or I'm deconstructing, you know, an idea of what I thought this would look like, ministry would look like, life, marriage, parenting, you're deconstructing it. And you've said that to me several times before that, Hey, there's going to come a point. You just got to get going, you know? So mm -hmm. that's, that's the whole challenge of taking the next step. Like you said, I don't know how you move, how you always move forward. Um, but that's, that's the challenge of everything. How do you, how do you keep going? How do you move forward? How do you have yeah. your nautical compass and your anchor? I love the nautical theme. You know what I mean? <laughs> Throw Big a boat guy. and a sail in there. Big boat guy. It must be because you're from New England. This is a podcast state. about boats, everybody. Surprise, <laughs> a half hour in. Where they've been on sailboats. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd that be would a be a good podcast. Another good spinoff. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's spinoffs on spinoffs on spinoffs of this thing. We could go anywhere. That's what I was saying earlier. I don't, But like literally every 
every episode is a brand new introduction to a brand new concept for a podcast. That would be sweet. Hey guys, I want to take a moment to tell you about my friends at Launch. If you're looking to start your own 501c3 nonprofit, or if you're a church plant looking to get your 501c3, then you need to let the team at Launch do all the work for you. They have one fixed price. It's the lowest in the business. That price gets you everything you need from state incorporation to IRS 501c3 approval. If you're looking to start an organization or you know someone who is in that process, then you need to go to launchmynonprofit.com. That's launchmynonprofit.com and get your free evaluation today. Now, let's get back to the conversation. Hey, this week uh, we're talking about, yeah, boats. And next week it's like the spin-off. This week we're this talking week. about tractors. Then we're yeah, going to yeah, go yeah. into yeah, yeah. planes. I'm, I'm sticking with just vehicles right now. No, that's just one yeah. genre. That's season one, you know? Transportation. Transportation. I like it. Uh, you're a pastor. What made you want to be a pastor? Yeah, you know, that's a that's a long there's a lot to that. You know, um, I grew up, um, my dad is a pastor. Um, but I grew up in that. I think it's, you know, everyone has their own story, like we've said, but you know, not kind of your typical upbringing with that. And so for a long time, I didn't want to be a pastor. I didn't like, that was actually one of my main motivations was to not go into ministry. Um, I equated it with like a hard life, a Mm. poor life, and um my parents are incredible they're amazing people and just saw them like and they did they lived diligently and faithfully for jesus and through some really tough stuff growing up uh but for a long time i was like man that's i don't want to do that um but really is is kind of what i was alluding to earlier is through community you know mm-hmm. it was through um what I, really for me my my time in college and i got around a great group of guys who who man, really loved Jesus. And, uh, we, you know, me and Jeff, we went to the same Christian university in Minneapolis and, um, like any, anywhere it's got its ups and its downs, sure. it's, it's bad. But for me, it was a life-changing experience. And it was the season that I really like discovered my relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just remember getting to a spot where it was like, and I don't, I, I don't know if I could, and I don't really want to do anything else. Um, and you know, just really for me, it came down to having, you know, had a lot of friends and people that I loved go through hard stuff. It's just like, man, I, I wish they, they had found what I had found through my faith. Yeah. And you know, that was the missing piece for me, that re- relationship with Jesus, like pulled all of life together for me. And I feel like I'm a, I'm a pretty passionate guy. So like, I'm going to chase something pretty hard and pretty passionately. And it's like, I just didn't find satisfaction in anything else until I really found that in my relationship with God. And still to this day, you know, like that's what is the ultimate kind of center centerpiece for my life is, is my, my realization that I need a savior. Like I need, I need Jesus. I do. Like I, you know, I've got a good life and I, I think I'm a pretty decent person, but it's like, man, uh, uh, the daily, I need Jesus. 
and not just saving, but I need his friendship. I need his yeah. near. I need his peace. I, I, you know, there's stuff that I find through my relationship. And, and that's the big word for me in that is relationship. Yeah. Um, in college, when it, when it actually became relationship. And um, I think that was a thing is like, cause I grew up familiar with church. I grew up kind of, and, and it's something I'll talk about is like, I think the worst place to be is in a room around people who have relationship with Jesus, but you don't. And you kind of give yourself a pass. You're like, Oh yeah, I know Jesus, but you don't, you've just kind of been in a room with somebody who knows him. Hmm. And it's like, you know, if you've ever been around somebody who like name drops and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know this guy. And, and, but you, if you were like really pressing and you'd be like, well, okay. Like what kind of car does he drive? Where does he live? Like, you know, what's their favorite, least favorite things. And they're like, well, I mean, I don't really, I don't know him, but like my friend, like hung out with him once and you're like, yeah. Oh yeah, you don't know him, but you're telling everybody you do. And I think for a lot of people with faith, that's where they're at. They're like, yeah, I know Jesus because they have a certain level of familiarity that they think they get it. And, and I was in that boat, but until I like really, and it became relationship, mm. like, that's a big question I'll ask is even myself and even other people. One of my favorite questions is like, I mean, you've heard me ask is like, how have you enjoyed Jesus today? Yes. Cause when it's relationship, like that's a great question to ask about your wife, your kids, For your, sure. your work, man, how have you enjoyed it lately? And that's not every day. It's not every day that it's like, oh man. It was just perfect all day, every day. Yeah. But like, if you're having more days where you aren't enjoying something, you're just that you're not going to desire a relationship there. Exactly. And it doesn't mean, Hey, you give up on it, but it means like, Hey, I'm going to have to do the work to establish healthy relationship. And so for me, it was like, you know, I started to realize like God's in with me and everything I do and I can enjoy it. And it was tangible and it started to have the characteristics of every other important relationship in my life. It changed my life. Yeah. So now I'm just preaching. How No, Come on. but I, I think for me that that's it is like, if there's anyone listening to this, like, and it's not relationship, like you can't talk about it. Like it's real relationship. Then I would almost say, maybe you haven't really done it or maybe you haven't mm. done it the way it's supposed to be done because yeah. that's ultimately what why jesus came to earth was like to bridge this gap of relationship between humanity and divinity and um and so but once i got a taste of that it was like oh yeah what i gotta i'm gonna do this you know yeah. the rest of my life it is i mean the, the only other thing things i can compare it to and it's on the same it's even more important is like when i'm when I even before me and my wife started dating, I I just knew I was like, I'll marry her. Mm-hmm. The, the, deciding to marry my wife was the easiest decision I've ever made in my life. It yeah. Doesn't mean like every day has been perfect, but it's just like it it was just so clear. Like yeah, like this is the most incredible person. Like we're so compatible. She's amazing. Yeah. You know? And then the only other thing is having a kid, and and it's different, but it's like oh yeah, like this is awesome. This yeah. is, and even in all the hard moments, this is, there's, this is what life's about. We were talking about that the other day in the car. We're like, what do you do? Like when you don't have kids, you're like, what do you do when you have kids? Like, that's weird. And now that we have kids, we're like, what do you do once you don't have kids? Yes, yeah, for sure. Like what is life once they're out of your house? And it's, it's just all the cliches are true. But, yeah. 
but that's Jesus, you know, true. Yeah. That's, that's Jesus is like, man, once, once it started being a relationship and it's hard, you know, and it it is again at any given time, it's the hardest thing or the easiest thing all the, all the best things in life are that way. Yeah. At any given moment, being a dad is the hardest thing. And at any given moment, being a dad is the easiest thing. Yeah. Marriage at any given moment, it's the hardest. And, and that's faith is like, but there's seasons of it. There's ebb and flow to it. There's highs and lows. Um, and you just got to keep showing up for it. You got to keep investing in it because it's the stuff that matters. Today's episode is brought to you by my friends at Rocket Media. When I'm searching for my next venture, which, spoiler alert, is apple trees. You better believe that an apple orchard and an expert arborist is coming to a city near you. Anyways, when I want to find out everything and anything that I need to know for planting an apple tree, I pull out my phone. Like everyone else on planet Earth, I go to Google. I click on one of the top results and away we go. That's what my friends at Rocket Media can do for your church or your business. When people are looking for you on Google, it's extremely important that they can actually find you. Pretty simple, right? But you need to make sure that you're at the very top of the very first page so you can take advantage of thousands of searches with Google search advertising. Schedule a free consultation today at therocket.media. That's therocket.media for Google search ads. I've seen their work firsthand in the church world and in the business world, and you need to make yourself a consultation today. Now, let's get back to the conversation. But the other thing you said is like, how are you enjoying Jesus or how are you enjoying your wife or how are you enjoying your kids? You've challenged me with that question before. And I remember I realized I was like, I'm not with Jesus, with my wife or with my kid. Like I come home and I'm more crotchety because I was at the plant all day or, you know what I mean? Like, and I'm upset or I'm, you know, whatever you want to say is my issue. I just wasn't taking the time to enjoy the people around me. The, my relationship with Jesus, my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my son. And that's been something that's really changed my perspective. That question has changed my perspective in so many different things. Me and Abby constantly repeat that question. So that was some free advice you've given us. But like, how are we enjoying this season? The season is only going to come once and then we're going to be mm-hmm. on to the next one. So how are we enjoying it now and, and trying to take the time to look at the stars, take the time yeah. to you know, taking those moments, not saying you're throwing away everything else you have to do because you still have to get stuff done. But how can you pause in these little moments and say, Hey, this is going to be a memory, you know, or this is going to be a time that we're going to, you know, we're going to enjoy a meal together. We're going to enjoy reading books. Like this kid reads, like he wants to read a thousand books every night where I'm like, I don't even, as soon as the book's on the last page, he jumps off my lap and grabs another one. And I want that to be mm-hmm. a memory that we have. And I can go back to be like, yeah, you really love doing this and just be able to share that. When you have, have kids, you, you see this a little bit. So like we have our fourth kid is seven months old. And in the first few months, that baby is solely dependent on you for everything. Yep. For everything. Like you, that baby needs you for literally everything. And, um, but now she, you know, our daughter, she's starting to crawl a little bit and, and like, you know, she's, so she's learning like at hyperspeed and taking it all in. Mm-hmm. And then, um, 
you know, as time goes on, it's like, oh, they learned to crawl, then they learned to walk, then they learn, you know, now our, our seven-year-old, his independent, he can read books, he can, you know, it's like, but the thing is, like, as their independence grows, their need, for, you know, and, and how much they're learning doesn't slow down, just right. our responsiveness to it slows down. Sure. And again, it's it's the same, anything worth doing, you know, you, you like, man, I want to get really into working out or I'm starting a relationship. When you're first in it, you're so responsive to the needs because it's new and it's so dependent on on your responsiveness. But the longer you're in something, mm. it kind of gains this independence, if you will. Yeah. And and our reaction time to the needs are slower. the The need is still there, but it's masked in independence. Um, wow. And, and, and again, you know, you want your kids to grow up and they need to kind of create their own identity. And, and so like, again, the, the metaphor works, anything worthwhile needs that, but there's still so much happening in, in the details of life. So in each of your four children, you're, you're able to kind of say, Hey, this, do you kind of break it up by season? Do you break it up by like personality, you know, or what, how do you break that up? Yeah. I mean, it's just that fight to be really present. Yeah. And like, um, and just slowing yourself down to be like, Hey, i just want to be present for yeah. this season, you know? And that's kind of what you were saying, but it's like, like my, my oldest son loves dogs right now. Like I, I cannot, like it blows people away. Cause he's got two books that are literally dog encyclopedias. He's like memorized page numbers. <laughs> and so like, is the dog coming to your house for Christmas or what? No, no, I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not anti animals, but I've, I've just never owned one. So I'm, that's not a motivation for me, but hey, you know you what? Need to so stop here's... deconstructing that thought and you need to buy a freaking dog. <laughs> so, but I, I'm not buying, but like, <laughs> to, but to slow down and just sit and enjoy it and just mm-hmm. be like, man, like, yeah, man, let's talk dogs. And then, then, then to be able at the same time in the day to be able to just like, man, I'm just going to sit and crawl around with my seven month old, right. you know, and, and, right just smile and make the goofy faces and, and um, just trying to be present, you know, trying to stay responsive to the needs of the things that matter most. And obviously that's kids. That's, that's, but again, and this is what we were saying about being at the park is like, but adults, we have needs. Adults have, have stuff that we're working through. Our brains are running a million miles. We're, we're, we're dealing with a bunch of stress and a bunch of stuff. And to have people in your life that are just present and current. Yeah. And and if you don't have relationships, you don't even have somebody else that could be present and current with yeah. you. If yeah. you don't maintain healthy enjoyment with your, your spouse, with your parents, with your kids, then, you know, they'll never know, you know, and vice versa, man. I like, I, there's some people I love dearly who are walking through some hard stuff. Yeah. And I'm glad that I'm, I'm close enough to them to just be able to sit and be with them. Right. And be yeah. aware. And, right. and, and are you close enough to, to people to even be aware of what's really going on in their soul. You know, where it's like, Hey, you can bounce something off someone and, and it can come back and it's not, there's no judgment. There's community, mm-hmm. there's relationship because everyone has, it's like a basic need. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. I think one of the things too, that you mentioned before in the last podcast, but I have to bring it back. You said this thing is like, as parents, very few people I know have mommy issues, but just about everybody I know has a daddy issue. You know? Oh I mean? man, yeah. So I I go back and forth because I like 
But yeah, I used to say that a lot early on. And, you know, just talking with my wife and, and cause my wife, honestly, the only fights we've had, I'm like, Morgan, you're too patient with that. Kid. <laughs> like, like, would you like I'm pretending like that's right a legit, like I, I would have a legitimate grounds for complaining about too much patience. Um, <laughs> and, but I just feel, and, and I would follow it up with that quote. I'd be like, well, no one really grows up with, you know, mommy issues. They all grow up with daddy issues, which isn't true. And I know there's people out there that like, you know, you've gone through some tough stuff, but yeah, you know, I, and, I and think, we don't want to negate that at all. But I think like, yeah, as, as a dad, for me, when you said that I was thinking about, it, I was like, yeah, to me, that resonates true. So how can I, you know, what, what are some active steps as a dad? We both follow a guy named John Tyson who came up with this thing called the primal path where yeah. you kind of bring your son into manhood. And I think you said you were going to do that, right? Yeah. Yeah. You still planning on that? Yeah. I mean, yes. And I think the big thing is just intentional parenting. Yeah. Proactive parenting. And, um, you know, like just cause of my occupation stuff like that. Like I'm never probably going to give my kid, I'll maybe I'll beat the odds, but I'm probably not going to give them a huge inheritance of wealth, but I hope that I can hand them a great inheritance of life, you know, and life well lived. Yeah. And wisdom and the power of grit and resilience and, and to set goals and, and strive for them and to have community and people that love you, like advocate for your dreams and goals um, so like, that's something we, we talk a lot about for our parenting is like, and how can we hand our kids these great, beautiful gifts, yeah. um, beyond just money, beyond just, you know, a perfect little, you know, whatever American dream life, but like, Hey, there's these ideals, there's these values, there's these rhythms, there's these habits, um, that we can equip them with to live well. And that's kind of, you know, that'd be, that's a dream of mine, right? Is that, you know, it's the holiday season or in between Thanksgiving and Christmas and so many people, they just struggle with family in the holidays or mm-hmm. they've had these falling outs or it's just, they, they leave some of these moments kind of dissatisfied with family. Right. And, but it should be the place that people find the most love, the most support and the most fulfillment. And um, yeah, so that's, that's, you know, when I think about my life and the things that I'm I'm most worried about, yeah, I want to do good at my job. I, I think what I do is important. I, I want to do, you know, I have some hobbies. I have some stuff I like to do, but ultimately it's like, man, after enjoying Jesus and living hand in hand with Jesus and, and the same with my wife, what I can do for my kids is, is everything. Yeah. I completely relate. And I think that's awesome. The other thing that I think is interesting is uh, you're annoyingly good at sports. Let's just go into that. I want to yeah. tell a little story. You, we started golfing this summer and, uh, and how many times have you golfed before you golf with me? Like, I don't know, four, <laughs> I don't, not many, not many, four under 10 times. No, yeah. it's, it's more than four for sure. But okay. I'm not, 10. I, you know, up until this summer, it wasn't even every year, you know, it, it was this like is making my story. I'm about to tell even more sad because we went on the golf course and we hung out, played 18 and, uh, and you outdrove me on every single hole using my own driver that you've never <laughs> used before. And it was so ridiculous. So that's not true. The last hole 
we were because we were close on yeah. score, and then the last hole you, you creamed me. Um, yeah, well, that's just because I decided to hit an iron in the fairway, and you went for the driver, and you know, sometimes no, you just I'm not. I'm like anyone tiger. listening. You and if you're a friend of mine listening, you know, I'm not a great golfer. I'm not. Jeff is a good golfer. I'm not a good golfer, but I. I can sometimes will myself to be competitive in most things. Yes. I love to compete. It doesn't matter what it is. Like I'm not the overly angry competitor. I just, I enjoy. Yes. See, and that's, what's annoying because you're not the angry competitor. (laughs) So I'm, 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 I'm going against you and it's like, I just want to see you throw a club so I can know I have some momentum, but you hit a bad shot and you're like, ah, it's okay. And get back in the golf cart. That's Oh, it's yeah. So Cause I, like, I just have this weird in my mind. I'm like, ah, I'll figure it out. You know, like <laughs> I, I can, I'll make it work. Like I won't be great, but like, I can, I can. Yeah. It's just, I just love to compete. Like sir, I walk by a ping pong table and I'm always like, let's play like, or food, like it, it doesn't even have to be that it could be getting the, the dumbest thing. But if we're competing, doing it, I love it. I love to just like, I don't know. Try stuff out. And why do you have that com- competitive nature? Is it growing up with a lot of siblings, and you just want oh, to make sure, sure you always yes. beat your brother? And yeah. I used to not. I used to be unhealthy competitive. Like okay. if I didn't, when I was little, if I didn't win, I would like rage cry. I would get really? so mad. I would get. I used to play like even um, a few times growing up playing video games against my little brother, who is so much better than me. Um, I would pause the game if we were close and I would look at him. I'd pause it real quick and I'd say, if you beat me, I'm going to punch you. And I'd start it again. <laughs> and like, he had he to make this down. He, he'd have to make this split second decision. Like, do I want to win? And I know he's going to hit me or do I want to lose? You know, but know that I threw it. Yeah. Um, so like, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel like hopefully I'm getting better in my <laughs> old age. Uh, but I'm not, you know, I do so little for me competing. So much of it is the strategy side. It's the thinking side that I like, and yeah. I get so much of that outlet in my occupation right? Um, and through parenting, through these other things. So like, I'm not like, I don't play in rec leagues or, or really any of this other stuff. So I don't do that much athletically anymore. I never was like a great athlete. I was, I was like pretty good at, you know, I was like pretty solid at a bunch of stuff. But yeah, now I just, I don't know for me, but I'll still like, Hey, if we're playing a board game or, or somebody's like, yeah, let's go play around a golf. I'm a yes guy. Like if you want to hang out, if you're listening to this and you want to hang out and you're ever in Michigan, you just let me know. Yeah. I'll Come on there. up to pure Michigan and yeah. it's be a blast. Jeff can attest to this. I just love to hang out. <laughs> I love to meet people. I love to just hang. I love to be around people. So yes. Now my competitive nature obviously is not as healthy because I have you know, I threw a club and, you know, got way more frustrated when I hit a mud ball, you know, obviously the course we were playing on was, you know, it was decent. It wasn't, you know, it was a problem. That's the the golf thing too. You just blame the course, man. These greens are terrible. <laughs> I, I'm, I've played so little. I don't even know what to blame. I'm like, exactly. exactly. <laughs> obviously. Yeah. And that's why it's annoying that you literally beat me on every hole, but the last one, just because I had to pull out a miracle shot in my, out of my butt. I just, I do. I love to compete. I, for me, it's, it's very much an inward self thing. Like I'm, I'm always like, you know, how do I get a little bit better? How do I grow? Right. You know, it's the mental side of it. I just love problem solving. 
some some of my friends like that's their joke is like if you want to get levi to do something just tell him like it can't no one can do it like yeah no for sure that's 100 percent it (laughs) and then my brain like right away it's probably i don't know if i'm add or what but it's just like i have a very active mind so then i'm like well maybe you know can we try this you know like i like i like to see as best i can something from all the different angles right and um i don't know you know that's just how my brain works and so it's great in some instances and and terrible in others just like everybody you know all the pros and cons of how we're wired so like at its best it's like i can think creatively and and find new solutions or have the drive or motivation to you know i I very rarely feel like i'm just gonna be stuck because i'm like well we could try this or this right at its worst you know it's just like you have it's like, oh, there's all these options and what do I do? And it's almost paralysis by, you know, having too many options. Um, but yeah, I love even playing board games. Uh, like people, if, if you play a board game with me, I actually will get just as much enjoyment from, obviously if I win, I enjoy that. But if I can control the outcome of who wins, I almost enjoy that just as much. Really? So maybe Are you it's a just big all, settlers guy? Uh I I'll play anything like, you know, like that's it. It's like, tell me the rules and I just love it. Okay. So you, have you played it though? Have you played settlers? Yes, yes. Okay. So we always play that. That's exactly where I have the same enjoyment, but I do it in a different way. So we always play that with Abby's family and she's, she wins every time. And it's because she's a much more strategic thinker than me. I'm more of an emotional guy. So I'm just like, let's do this. Let's build right here. Let's like, let's trade. And I'm always trying to get someone to like get a good deal. So I'm like, hey, let's trade one for three. You know what I mean? I'll give you three cards if you give me that one. Like it's just bad strategy, you know, like that's just it. But then what happens is I'll just start with more of the mind games because I can't do the strategy. And I'll just start talking and be like, you know, I really think this person's ahead. Just subtle comments. (laughs) And then they stop trading with them. And mainly it's her because she's always ahead and she just gets irritated. It's like, stop telling people I'm going to win. So then they don't give me anything. And I'm yeah. like, Hey, listen, that's yeah. my strategy. Or I'll just start giving away cards to people that are in last place, just like me, because yeah. Hey, why not, man? Yeah. Robin hood out here. Steal from the rich, give to the poor. You know, that's, that's part of my mantra. My vision for life is surprise to- guys. This is actually a podcast about people with control issues. And me <laughs> and Jeff are, we've realized this in our life. <laughs> I have a control issue, but that goes down to my personality type of Enneagram. <laughs> yeah. Decon- let's deconstruct this real quick. So that Come on. Yeah. Let's, let's, okay. I, Hey, I'm full down. circle, full circle here. Full circle. Like, like we said, folks, this is uh a podcast within a podcast within a podcast it is inception without leonardo <laughs> dicaprio although he did play in a lot of boston movies and you are from boston so what's yeah. up yeah uh full circle full circle i don't think there's any other way to continue than going all the way back to deconstruct <laughs> all the way back to boston all the way back to boston bean town it's a great town the mill city of lowell yep the mill city that is the nickname it's also got a lot of canals maybe it's a canal canal city i don't know yeah lol it's a what city is it though is it the mill city or is the canal city because we got conflicting cities here let me let me look it up nicknames for if the podcast was larger and we had you know an assistant the mill city and spindle city spindle city yeah 
the industrial revolution. So like the spindles that you walk up and down the stairs and you grab nope. and not fall. So Lowell was started uh, by, it was named after Francis Lowell. He's a guy with a photographic memory. And so during the industrial revolution, which was essentially turning cotton into cloth, um, Europe dominated this, particularly England. Francis Lowell takes a boat over there, looks at the water turbine, memorizes it, comes back to the U.S. and realizes I need water power. So the what? Merrimack River flows through, you know, north of Boston. He says, this would be a great spot for a city, builds all these canals and these factories and spindles are within textile industry. It's a, it's a, it's a instrument used to help weave cotton into cloth. I'm, I'm sitting here and this is another podcast within a podcast of, <laughs> I think we should start it random stuff levi knows like you just went into the industrial revolution talking yeah. about hey we take cotton into cloth like are you kidding well here's why because growing up in lowell they literally that was our field trip every year oh okay. and like now it's so, making sense like and it's the like literally you know you do it once and you're kind of like ah oh, that was a, even the first time through, you're like ah oh, that's okay at best but when you do it from fourth grade through high school, and then by the time you start getting older, they're like, just be glad you weren't born back here. You'd just be working <laughs> in the mill. You know, like, they'd just be telling you stories of how kids used to die in the mill. Oh, my and goodness. Like, now go back to school and learn, you know, and like that in the field trip. So that yeah, was your teacher. That's an impression of a teacher. <laughs> yeah. Spot yeah. on. I mean, <laughs> spot on. If it's yeah. true, Boston teacher, is it still the the f words thrown in there or what? <laughs> yeah, if it's if he's a townie for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible. The I mean, I can say I went to a lot of places on field trips, and I don't remember a single one. So good on you, good on yeah. you, man. Yeah. So yeah, Lowell, Lowell, Massachusetts. Check it out. Check it out. It's the a Mill City. Place. The Mill City. The Spindle City. Yeah, they, they have the single A team for the Boston Red Sox, the the Lowell Spinners. Okay, I see the spinners and the spindles right there. I'm with you. Yep. Now it's it's all making sense right now. Yeah, Lowell's a town that I got to visit. I got to head out there. Oh man, like so I, I you know so my wife we met in college in Minnesota, but she was born in Maine and has a lot of family out in New England. And so that was cool just to like realize like, oh, we kind of had this in common. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So she was, she was born up in Maine and, you know, aunts, uncles, you know, her, her folks are from there. And, uh, but yeah, so we were driving through and, you know, I was, I'm saying this cause you were like, oh, I got to go check out Lowell. And I remember I was like, yeah, I'll take you to like where I grew up. And then you drive through and you're like, yeah, it's not really, you, no one's like, you're like proud, but also maybe shouldn't be proud to be from Lowell. It's like, yeah, I'm from Lowell. You know, right. People, the locals will be like, oh, you're from, uh, ugh. he's from, Yeesh. he's yeah. a Lowell kid, you know. Uh, okay. But you got to have pride, you know, your hometown. It's a good, good spot, good city, good Mickey people. Mickey Ward's from there. Mickey Ward, great boxer. Uh, him and Arturo Gotti had a, had a kind of a, a series of boxing matches that were legendary uh and yeah incredible uh boxer he's a lefty and in gym 
a few of the gym teachers, a lot of the gym teachers do like a boxing unit. Boxing. Really? Boxing's big in the city I grew up in. The movie The Fighter was filmed about Mickey Ward, Mark Wahlberg. Uh, anyone who's my friend has heard this before because I'm proud of it. Uh, two movies. I've maybe two, heard it like 45 times. But two movies cool. made about Lowell. The Fighter about Mickey Ward. Lowell's own Mickey Ward. And then there's a documentary called High on Crack Street, The Lost Lies of Lowell. Yeah, two great movies, folks. Uh, but yeah, so a lot of the gym teachers, they, they'll all take credit. They'll be like, I taught Mickey Ward. <laughs> You're like, hi. Of course. Yeah. I love that. That's so funny. I wonder if like Michael Jordan's high school coach, I think I saw that on the greatest like that, that he was like, oh yeah, I knew Michael was the best. And you're like, I knew it. Yeah, him? Yeah. I knew it. No one else knew it. I knew it. Yeah. No one else could tell that Tiger was going to be incredible, but I did. It's like, yeah. No, you didn't. People are funny. That's, I can't believe it's a class. Like they teach violence in classes. In I mean, like, I forget. I just, I, I, that is a real memory. I remember sitting in a class and they, we've got these dumbbells in our hand. They're having us like shadow box. Really? And the guy is essentially up there like, I taught Mickey how to throw his left hook. They teach boxing in high school. That is the most Boston thing. I think it was in in middle school or something. I don't know. Even better. I don't even remember. Even better. Let's try it in the daycares. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's in There's something in the water. There's something in the water. Yep. And it's not just tea. Like that right there? Come on. That was nice. That was history. Um, New England is beautiful, especially in the fall. Like if you go in the fall, that was the nice thing. Although, you know, growing up in the wall is like, you know, you're like out an hour, 45 minutes from Boston, depending on traffic. You know, you're like an hour from the ocean to the east and you're about an hour to the mountains to the north. And so uh, that's new. Everything's compact in New England and that's the beauty of it. So, yeah, I, I mean, I've only heard great things about it from you and Everyone else, you know, New England seems like an awesome town. The good fish and all that good stuff. The the, the only the only people who go there are New Englanders, and we're you know uh, hometown pride. We're like, yeah, it's great. You get you get to go there and like, ah, the greatest. It was okay it, at best. It was okay. But that's how I feel when people are like, I went to Chicago and I tried the pizza and I didn't like it. And I'm like, well, then don't come back. Don't come back. Yeah. We, want we, you didn't want, town. we didn't want you anyways. This is a podcast about hometowns. <laughs> <laughs> so many gonna, podcasts in a podcast right now. I just keep introducing new podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome. This is our <laughs> podcast about hometowns. You did mention that on the outset on the phone that you may just hijack it and take it over. Yeah. Feel free. You know, yep. feel free. Hey, everybody. This is a podcast about pizza. Uh, <laughs> Now no. that, like you, you like the spindles and the mill city, like I could go on about pizza. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so here, this is a good question for a Chicago local, because you guys pride yourselves on the deep dish, but you also like that thin cut it into squares. Come on. So like, I don't know, you know, like what's going on? Like pick one. Wh- which one is Chicago? Okay. Fair question. Fair question. I don't appreciate the tone, but fair question. Um, you know, I think the deep dish is truly the, the staple, you know, but you. Well, do what about the other half of Chicago? I, but that's I mean, like Geno's, you know, and it's just like, do we even like them? Why are they still open? No, Not I'm talking like the local places, like my parents and, you know, cause my parents are outside of Chicago now in the suburbs and there's a local place called Lido's and all they do, they don't do deep dish. They do Chicago thin crust. 
It's like on a cracker, basically, right? It's not, yeah, it's like rich yeah. cracker. You roll that sucker out, yeah, and then you cut it into squares. Yeah, exactly. There's you're a taking, pla- you're taking half of Chicago and you're just saying, ah, we only no, want to. There's a place people. in our hearts and also our obese stomachs enough for both you know what i mean like there's a place enough for both it's kind of like it's like having the cubs and the white Sox in town yes but there's not a place for both of them the white Sox, no but the cubs you know what i mean like come on aren't you from the south suburbs outside yeah but my family was cubs fans i would pretended to be a white Sox fan when i grew up just because it ticked everyone in our family off and i just like to stir up some trouble you like Frank Thomas, the big turp, the big Frank hurt. Thomas. I can respect any baseball player, but that dude could rake, man. He could hit the ball. Albert Bell. Yeah. Ozzie Gian, the manager. They need to bring yeah. him back because the Sox could be really good. Carlton Fisk. Yeah. You're just throwing out Sox players. Yeah, I was trying to see how well I could do. I thought that I is pretty good. good. What's that? The the movie uh Field of Dreams, based in Iowa. Shout out Iowa. And uh, but also there were the Sox players. So shoeless Joe Jackson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our podcast about baseball. Yes. Baseball history. Glad glad you're tuning in today. America's sport that was taken over and uh, is just an incredible sport. We love it. We can't wait till it's back. (laughs) It's going to be back next year. Better than ever. Better than ever. The Red Sox used to be good when they had Terry Francona, but they don't anymore. Hey. Red Sox, you know, that's the thing about being a Boston sports fan. It's been a good stretch. We've, I've gotten to see. Let's rub it in. Why don't we? Yeah. I, Super Bowls and World Series and, you know, and I mean, the curse broken. Hit. The Celtics win one. The Bruins won oh, one. Oh, my Lord. Dude, it's even the Revolution snuck one in there in the, in the early 2000s. You know, and like. The Twisties. They got, I'm sorry, the Spinders, right? The Spinners. <laughs> the Spinnies. <laughs> The spinners, the little spinners, dude, that was awesome. I don't know. Like if you, if you have a single a or double a or triple a team in your town, it's the best. Yeah. You we know, had one in Joliet, the Joliet jackhammer. So the Sox would send guys down for like rehab things or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then like, I, I was doing this, this is my other thing. I'll like deep dive on, on Wikipedia. Just like, so I, it was essentially what famous, MLB players had played for the spinners and there was a, there's some good, like some good people came through the Lowell spinners. And, uh, but I remember once Britt Saberhagen had to do like a rehab. And the thing about Lowell is it was so close and I, and they were like talking about sending him up to Lowell and it, I, it never happened, but it would have been like the best, but you go, you pay like two bucks for a ticket. And if you're, if you're from in town, everybody's knows somebody who's got a ticket. Yeah. You go there and it's baseball, but it's just way better. Yes. Because, like, you got the game, and it could be a good game or a bad game. It doesn't impact your experience. You don't care because it was two bucks. Yeah. And you you pound a bunch of hot dogs. They're, like, a dollar each. Oh, yeah. You're playing crazy games. Like, it's it's uh, the best. The Guys, this is a podcast about single-A baseball teams. I'm telling you. <laughs> but for real, the uh, the Fox in Fox Valley in Appleton, they had the Timber Rattlers. And me Timber and Abby, Rattlers. We used to go there all the time. It's a blast. Yeah. I love in between each inning, they have little games. They have, like, themed nights. Um, like, we yep. went on a Harry Potter theme night. And people go all out, like – they do we didn't even know it was harry potter night and then all of a sudden there's people walking around in cloaks and stuff it's great Not that i've seen harry potter you know but this is a podcast about harry potter everybody i'm glad you're here 
I feel like this podcast is a podcast about podcasts and uh, we've run our course at this point. So I just want to thank you for being on the podcast and, and uh, I appreciate your time and it's been a blast, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I think we need to have another podcast about a podcast. You know what I mean? Like, let's just start a second one. I just, Hey folks, just get ready. Cause there's probably going to be a third edit. No, there isn't. <laughs> After this one, not on, I'm not, I'm saying you're going to be like, ah, Levi, once again, you tried once your answer. Wasn't great. <laughs> we tried a second time. It got, it got worse. It got Levi. You were worse the second time. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Levi Koistra. If you're wondering if this is a podcast in a podcast, launching another podcast, you just might be right. Podcast Inception. Hey, what do I know? I'm just a guy in the upstairs part of my house recording a podcast. Who knows? Levi, he's one of those guys who truly challenges me to live out what I talk about, to dive deep when I can, and to take it at face value when necessary. He said something to me a while back that he touched on a little bit in the podcast, and he said this, Eventually, you have to stop deconstructing every situation and every feeling in your life, and you have to start building on what you want those things to actually look like. That's something that really stuck with me, and so I figured I'd share it with you as well. Is there something that you need to start building and stop deconstructing? Is it your relationship with God? Is it changes you want in your family, changes in your personal life? Is it the career you've always wanted? Maybe it's time to stop deconstruction and tearing down what everything is about you and around you and how terrible it all is and start building something, working on a new project. You know, I hope hearing this episode of where he's been gives you some hope and wisdom for where we're all going. Love you guys.